Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello, and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Matthew Lindsay. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So, Matthew, you are a retail agent up in Anchorage, Alaska. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So, uh, this is kind of a unique interview for me because, uh, you know, my company, Titanium Investments of Alaska, is actually buying one of Matthew's listings right now. Um, out in Yakutat, Alaska, which if you don't know where that's at, don't worry. Nobody actually knows where it's at, including the people that live in Yakutat. Um, <laughs> it's literally in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Um, but it, it's going to be a, a cool deal for us. It's a mixed-use building and uh, solid cash flow. And uh, Matthew found me on Facebook, and then from there we've kind of connected, and I kind of uh, have been watching him on social media and, and fell in love with how he runs his business. And so I thought it would be a, a good opportunity for us to bring somebody from the Alaska market onto the show and uh, have him kind of talk about how he's built out his team. Um, let's go back to the beginning, though. I always love to get the, you know, how did people get to where they are today? Um, what drew you to real estate and where did you get your start in real estate? Yeah, good question. So I, before real estate, I, I spent eight years working for the state of Alaska as a wildland firefighter. I was on a hotshot crew, traveling all over Alaska, Canada, lower 48. Um, so that's what I was doing, living in the woods, working in the woods, running fire crews, a lot of interagency things. And I got to a point where um, I had a lot of responsibilities, um, but I couldn't, no matter what I did, uh, raise my income. You know, I couldn't control that. You know, I was maxed out on the amount of hours I could work, stuff like that. Only way to move up at the end of the day was someone die or, or retire, pretty much. <laughs> so so, so what, what drew you to real estate? Yeah, so after that, you know, I was just looking around. I was like, what, what can I do that's commission-based? What can I do to control my income? And what's something that, you know, something I've always wanted to invest in, and that was real estate. Um, I had a little bit of taste of that as my wife was going to school. I was uh, working in property management in Seattle um, for, for large multifamily in downtown. And so that was my first real taste of real estate, working both uh, you know maintenance side and then also leasing side. So kind of getting both sides of the industry on that. And gotcha. just fell in love with how, how properties run, how investments, um, you know, just how to, how to handle, manage, acquire and sell investments you know what's funny is is you know you said you couldn't raise your income and so immediately you went to what's something that's commission-based so you could control the outcome i think yeah. that right there is like a mindset thing that's that's different than how the majority of people think you know if you're struggling income wise and you have a job and you're not naturally and you know already an entrepreneur you don't immediately jump to how can I go to commissions base? It's how can I find a job that has a higher salary? I think that immediately showed that you needed to be some sort of entrepreneur. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you, you decide you, you j jumped into property management in Seattle 
Um, yep. How did that lead you to getting your real estate license? So I was doing that just in the winter seasonally uh, while my wife was going to school. And so once she graduated, we, we found ourselves back up here in Alaska. That's where we're both from. And, uh, you know, I just I, I wanted to keep doing real estate. You know, we don't necessarily have the same properties that you, you find in Seattle or any other major city. You know, we don't have um, multiple story complexes. We don't have 100 unit pluses. And the, the couple that we do are own, you know, privately. Um, so with that, you know, it got into, well, let's get into residential and see, see what happens there. So I, I got licensed, um, actually joined a team with some friends here, here in Alaska. And I was on that residential team for a couple months before I really realized that, Hey, I can do this a lot bigger. Um, I can scale this how I want to, and I can grow this quite faster than where I'm at. So, you know, after being on the team for two months i decided to leave and start my own thing that's pretty incredible man that's a that's a fast rise to wanting to start your own team what what kind of early on did you what kind of taste of success did you have or what what made you realize that hey i can i can do this and i can scale this to a level that you know starting my own team is worthwhile well in about two months after i got licensed and actually started and able to you know go produce in the workplace and marketplace up here um i had about 15 different listings on the market that i, I had you know gone out prospected got um through direct marketing cold calling prop you know you name it i was out there producing right and uh you know a lot of these teams are percentage based what you give them to be able to you know be on that team for the support and admin and all that kind of stuff and uh, i'm very analytical and you know i'm I'm, I'm the type of guy who's going to pour, pour over spreadsheets and stuff like that. And so looking at that, I was like, man, I'm giving away a lot for stuff that I know I can streamline. Coming from a fire background and efficiency and, you know, running crews and doing stuff like that, um, I just knew I could run things a little bit better and, and I wanted to streamline it myself. So, you know, I, I gave some suggestions that didn't really take. So I decided it's time. Let's go do this. So the, for the people that are listening and they've never gone through this process, what does it look like? How do you start your own team? How does that work with a broker? And, and how did you decide what brokerage to go to to start that own team? Yeah, so with, uh, you know, with, with sales and that perspective, you do have a broker in charge and, and you have like a team lead under them and then you build out your team kind of under that. And so it's like a house within a house, if you will. Um, you know, I went over to Remax where I'm at right now, just simply because that was um, after looking at a couple different brokerages, they had the the most benefits where I was and what I wanted to do. Um, they had some uh, just the average sales uh, um, per agent here was was a quite a bit higher than uh, other places in town. So I wanted to surround myself with high producers. So that was one of the main draws and why I chose to go to Remax. Gotcha. So once you started your own team, how did that take off? How do you recruit agents and, and things along those lines? So I started off myself. So we've been, the team's been together for about a year and a half and we have six people now. Um, I started off myself and I wanted to be able to, you know, produce at high levels. Um, and be, before I brought on other people so I can say, hey, you can expect to do this. Because um, if I haven't been able to produce, I can't tell people they're going to be able to produce at that those levels. So I I went out into the marketplace and uh, you know 
over that first year was able to put, you know, go from 30,000 the year before to a couple hundred thousand the next year. Um, and we're still growing, but that was based off of my own production the first year in business for myself. So after that, you know, it gave me, instead of, you know, going out and buying a house, buying all this different types of stuff, I reinvested literally every penny I had back into the company, into salaries with admin, into salaries for, for staff, into marketing, into advertising, and really branching out and growing a business where most agents, you know, they kind of just the, go the average route of, hey, I'm going to take a nice fat salary and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put a little bit here in marketing, a little bit over here for staff and kind of that's how they run things. Absolutely. And, and again, I think that's a testament to you're in the right spot. You're a natural entrepreneur and, and that's what we all do. You know, I mean, we, we make money and we reinvest it back into our business so we can make more money and yep. keep that machine rolling, you know? Um, so I want to kind of, for the people that don't know anything about the Alaska market, you know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's almost like for people, uh, you know, I, my listeners base is probably majority real estate investors. Okay. And I think for the most part, as a real estate investor, you don't know what to expect when you get started. And you watch these shows on HGTV and then you realize yeah. it's not anything actually like that. Nope. I feel like the Alaska market is also nothing like it's depicted on TV. You know, they have the shows buying Alaska and, and, you know, on these shows, it's like, they don't have running water. There's no working toilets. You have to go to the outhouse. I recently flew up to Anchorage and I was blown away by how nice of a city it was and how modern it was. I mean, it's, it's really just a, a pretty typical you know, city, you know, I mean, it's, a uh, uh, there's running water, you know, there's, uh, there is some wildlife, but it's not crazy. You know, it's not like there's bears running all over the place. I mean, it, I, it, to me, I'm from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. It felt a lot like Fort Worth, Texas to me. So okay. let's talk about the, the market itself. What would you say the condition of the, the markets like in Alaska and for people that aren't aware of it, you know, what's happening there in, in the Anchorage, Alaska market? I'd say we definitely kind of flattened out for probably the last three years. You know, we're not seeing as much appreciation as we have in the past. Um, but on the other side, we're not seeing, you know, any dramatic depreciation in, in, in housing markets. Um, the average home up here is quite a bit older, I feel, than a lot of markets down, down where you guys are. Right. Um, and that's one thing that we talked about, you know, previously talking about flips up here is that a lot of the product we have is it's old it's tired it was overbuilt anchorage was you know a lot of homes built in the 70s and 80s um, and that's what a lot of these homes and flips tend to be is you know original finishes in a 70s or 80s build yeah and, and the thing that stood out to me was is that houses are selling on the market and you know here in and even in other markets across the country you see a vast difference between a older non remodeled house and a rehabbed like to the nines re rehabbed house. But in Alaska, I didn't really see that as much, you know, like in that market, what's considered to be a rehabbed house is not as, it doesn't have to be as dramatic of a difference 
to what we could would consider a distressed property. Would you agree with that? I would. And a lot of people, they just don't know. Um, you know, and also I'd say that's both on the clientele and that's both on the, uh, real estate, you know, industry people as well. Right. Uh, a lot of people, they grew up here, Alaska so far separated from the lower 48 that, you know, not a lot of people ventured out travel, you know, whether that's for classes, fun, whatever. And so that's all they know. And so it's hard to base, you know, um, what this is versus what's what's trending down the lower 48 with people who just stay in the same city all their life. Right. And, it, and the other thing that I noticed was how I, I guess the the people there are just so used to the way things are that it's very rare for people to think outside the box. Um, you know, when we when we got there, um, it was myself. Elijah De La Garza, who's my partner in Hawaii and also my partner in Alaska, and then Pete Carpenter, who's our local partner in Alaska. And, you know, we kind of have a, a template for what we do to our properties. Mm-hmm. And if it if it goes over a certain price point, we're going to put granite countertops. I mean, that's just what we do. And we were essentially told that there is no way to get granite in Anchorage, Alaska by probably 10 or 11 different vendors. I mean, they were like, yeah, you can special order it, but it's going to take, you know, eight to 10 weeks to come in. And I'm like, no, there's no way. I mean, there's got to be like a granite yard here. And eventually we found them, but it was just crazy to me how just everybody there, their natural reaction was like, no, you don't do that here. You you, you just don't, you don't have to. And I was like, I I understand I don't have to, but I want to. That's what we do. That's what we're going to do. I mean, do you kind of see that across the board that it's just a a kind of a natural tendency of the market where people just kind of are stuck in their ways and they don't think outside the box? Yeah. And, you know, we see that in in a lot of different, you know, not just real estate up here, but a lot of different industries. And what we're starting to see is we're starting to see some people come in and actually change that up, uh, be more innovative, you know, change the status quo. And those are the people that are actually growing and, and expanding right now. Yeah, I hope to be one of those people in the Alaska market here uh, moving forward just because, to me, that's like a huge opportunity, right? Like that's that that to me is like, okay, there's nobody thinking outside the box, and I'm not even feeling like that is thinking outside the box by putting granite countertops in a rehabbed property. That's like bare minimum of what we do in our properties. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of learned that from what we do in the Hawaii market. And I compare Hawaii and Alaska very similar to each other, not price point wise, but just how difficult it is to get certain materials there, how difficult it is to get labor. Um, those are kind of some of the hurdles lending wise is very difficult in, in these markets. But once you overcome those hurdles, it's like uncharted territory. I mean, literally, and I know it's like, you know, Alaska is the last frontier or whatnot, but it really is that way also in the real estate and the investing world. Um, but the other thing that I noticed about the Alaska market is it's it's kind of a, a – it's a very tiny box price point-wise. It's like everything's between two hundred and $400,000. I, I feel like almost like 90% of the properties are in that price range. Is, is that yep. just my ignorance of the market or am, I, or am I right with that? No. I mean we got – we definitely got pockets you know, um, on up, but – on up to you know 1.5 and i know that you know probably where you are that's that's kind of like a typical typical home 
you know, when I'm down in Seattle and going to Chicago and things like that, you know, that's that's like a, a tiny little home in the <laughs> suburb, right? Right. Uh, up here, that's like that's like the nicest home you can find with the best views, the best finishes, um, you name it. Like you've made it if you hit that point. So that that's kind of our market. You're you're hit the nail head on. Two hundred right. to about four four fifties, kind of ninety percent of the market. Yeah, I noticed that really quickly because I have a team that analyzes properties and then I kind of go in after they've already been analyzed and just review the numbers and say, okay, this is what we're going to offer. And every time I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, ARV's 350. We're offering, you know, 175, 180, somewhere around there. And then it was like every single time I'm looking at a property, it's like 350 ARV, 375 ARV. I'm like, every property is the same here. (laughs) It's like... It doesn't matter where it's at or anything like that. And and it's funny because I have the conversations with Pete, you know, who's our agent and he's also our, our partner. And he's he's like, Yeah, I mean, you know, the ARVs don't really change much, but there is difference like demographics and, and nicer neighborhoods, but it doesn't really impact the pricing that much, which is really odd, you know. I mean, we just we see that impact pricing very much like here in Texas and Arizona and Missouri, other markets that we're in. Um, just in Alaska, it's like everything's one solid flat number, and uh, it's a uh, it's very unique to the to the market. Um, that being said, you know, one I have to give you a lot of credit, man, because you are so active on social media on trying to educate people about real estate and about how to properly invest in real estate and how to utilize realtors correctly. Um, it's just it's a ton of content that you give back to people. But the other day on Facebook, you know, you were doing a Facebook live and it was titled be unreasonable. Talk about that for a little bit, because I thought that was a very powerful message that you were getting across. Yeah. So I, I I firmly believe in it that, that everyone should be unreasonable. And so what I was trying to get at with that is talking about investments and coming up with, you know, your required returns, um, what are your required terms, how are you going to invest, and really educating yourself on investing before you jump into it too soon. So I see it so many people up here. The fourplex game is is preached hard, hard up here. I don't know about where you guys are at, but it's like the godsend. You live in a unit for free, you have to pain, and one's profit is what I've right. heard all the time. And it's just a losing game, um, especially up here because fourplexes are so overpriced. Yep. And so we see people jump into these without running the numbers themselves, treating treating the investment like a true business, looking at, hey, what has this performed over the last three years? What are the, you know, what's it currently doing? What are the projections? Um, and, and looking at things analytically instead of emotionally. And so what I'm saying, being unreasonable, I'm saying you should... Look at an investment and know what it is you're looking for. You should have a required set of terms that you go into an investment. If it doesn't meet those terms that you you turn away, you're unreasonable about it. And then when you do find, you know, properties that do meet your terms, you know, you move on them. And so that's what I was really getting at is making sure we have educated investors who are actually in it to you know build a portfolio that's going to win consistently win over the long time over the long run 
Yeah, and there's there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said there. And I want to go back to a good point that you brought up. The the fourplex game is is huge in Alaska, and and I've noticed that. And you're absolutely right; they're extremely overpriced. Yep. And and the reason why it is, you know, because to to some people that might be listening, what you just said sounds like a huge victory, right? I get to live in one unit. Two of them are paying for the unit itself and paying for me to live here, and then the the fourth one is profit. Well, that's not how this works, you know. I mean, how did they one once up here? Right. You you have to include the de- the depreciation of you living in one of the units. You also have to look at the opportunity cost that you lose by you living in one of the units and not having someone essentially paying you rent on that unit as well. Yep. And then also you need to look at vacancy, maintenance, capital expenditures. Uh, the debt service on the property. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this more so than just a simple formula of, you know, hey, I buy this, I'm going to live in one, two's going to pay for me to live here, and then I'm going to make some profit because you're going to have to do maintenance on that property. What happens when one of those tenants lives in it for a year, decides to have a dog, have kids, and then, you know, heaven forbid they decide they want to smoke in one of the units? Yep. And me personally, I won't I won't buy any type of investment property that does not allow me to pay for a management company within that and still cash flow. And Absolutely. so with, those, with your living there, it's your time, you know, and that's time you could be at your job producing more income, um, you know, that's that's being tied up. And so that's one of the biggest reasons as well. And I'm going to say how important it is to have a solid agent that actually understands what we're talking about right now. And that's why I wanted to have Matthew on the show. Um, and because I think you are a, a very knowledgeable and wise um, agent that can give that wise counsel to your clients. Um, I found this out because, you know, Matthew found me on Facebook. I'm always sharing the podcast interviews and different things that we're doing in the the Alaska real estate investor uh, Facebook groups. And uh, Matthew sought me out and said, "Hey, I've got this deal in Yakutat, and it cash flows really, you know, extremely well. Can I send it over to you?" And I said, "Absolutely." And and right when he said this, now mind you, he it's a three hour difference. Okay, so I'm when he sends this over, it was probably like I don't know seven o'clock his time. It's ten o'clock my time. I'm an old man now. I've got kids. So I'm sitting on the couch. I'm borderline like half asleep. And uh, I'm like, sure, man, you can send it over. And when he sends it, when he says it's in Yakutat, I'm like, that's a cool name. Never heard of that city before. Let me look up where that's at. So I look it up. Now, Alaska is huge. Okay. And, and majority of my listeners are in Texas. So we need to understand something. We say everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, we're, we're wrong. Okay. Alaska's bigger. Um, all of the animals there are bigger and the drives across Alaska are much longer than they are here in Texas, believe it or not. So when I looked up Yakutat, I then said, Hmm, that doesn't seem like it's that far away from Anchorage. How far of a drive is it from Anchorage to Yakutat? So I plug it into Google maps. It's a one day and 13 hour drive. And in all reality, you aren't actually allowed to drive there because you have to drive through the Yukon Territory in Canada to then circle back around to get to Yakutat. So really, the only way you can get there is to fly. Yep. But uh, 
my point in this is so when he sends this to me and I do this research, I have like less than 1% interest in buying this property. Okay. I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like why in the world would we buy this property? And, uh, the next day we have a chat and he sends over the details to me and he sends over one of the most well-prepared packages I've ever seen. You know, I mean, and, and I, I say that with like, all due respect to Matthew. I don't think he personally spent a lot of time with it. It was just how he packaged it. It was very simple and easy for me to read. You know, sometimes I get stuff where it's like 500 pages of information and I'm like, this is overwhelming. Like, what are you trying to tell me? I feel like you're hiding stuff because there's so much in here. He yeah. sent over an appraisal and he sent over a two page spreadsheet that basically broke down all of the numbers based off of actuals. So it was the actual rent from all of the difference in mixed use buildings. So all of the current tenants, and then he entered in all of the actual expenses and what my net proceeds would be. And at this point in time, I'm like, okay, I'm highly interested. Like now I need to understand like, what am I actually buying? That's when Matthew and I talked and lo and behold, like 24, 48 hours later, we submitted a contract and now we're under contract and uh, we plan on going pending here pretty soon. But the, my whole point in telling that story is, is how important it is to have an agent who understands this business that can lead you down that path like Matthew did. Because otherwise, if he had sent some you know BS over that was just a waste of my time, I, 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 it, was, it would have been immediately like, nah, I'm sorry, not interested. But because he was a good agent and he represented his clients, now we're in contract to buy that property. So thank you, Matthew, for understanding this game. <laughs> Of course. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, agents don't don't necessarily do is, you know, go on the hunt. You know, and yeah. so I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, we'll, we'll keep this myself and kind of pitch this to people I know. But you should be out there, you know, because I mean, I you're definitely not the first person I pitched that to, you know, probably the hundredth person I pitched that to and, and try to talk to about it. A right. lot of them, just like you, are like, where the hell is Yakitat? Why would I ever buy something in Yakitat? <laughs> I mean, there's people here in Anchorage that are still, why would I buy something in Yakitat? Right. You know, right. kind of that old thinking of, uh, if I can't drive up to it, then I'm not going to purchase it. And that's a lot of the mindset of, of some of the people up here. But being able to actually understand, oh, it's just a quick flight out. I can, I can hit there, take care of whatever I need to do. Um, and understand the deal as a whole instead of just, you know, that first roadblock uh, gives you the ability to be able to go out and marketplace and really produce. Well, the other thing is, is for me, I mean, I don't care if the property is in Yakutat or Anchorage. I mean, it's same distance for me to fly to both of them, you know, I mean, at the end of the day. Um, and then there was a couple of things there as far as like having someone that lives there or close by that's been property management and things along those lines. But you included that in your spreadsheet. Like you broke down those expenses and said, hey, look, you know, I've got it built in where there's property management and I've got built in maintenance and I've got built in cap capital expenditures. Like that is the part that separates you from the most realtors that send over deals is that you really looked at it from an investor's eyes and broke that deal down for me. Yeah. And if you can't show people how to make money, you're, you're never going to win at this game. No, you're not. And, and, and what happened as soon as we got that under contract, I'm messaging Matthew saying, Hey, you got any deals in Anchorage? 
You got any hip pocket listings come up, single family, you know, some other rental properties? Like, I, I fully intend on this relationship going further than just that one deal. We're going to do other deals together. We're going to do more business together um, yeah. because it's that that's what happens when you build that rapport with someone like me and, and vice versa. You know, once I perform on this, he's going to realize, hey, you know, titanium closes on deals. I want to do more business, you know. That 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 those are the the keys to growing your business, both as an investor and as a realtor. You know, so let, let's talk about where you want to take your business moving forward. You've got a team. You've got a team of six at this point in time. Yep. You know, you've said the Anchorage market is not necessarily appreciating, but it's not going down either. So it's pretty stable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see taking your team moving forward here in the next couple of years? Yeah, so realistically, we're looking at starting our own brokerage within the next year. After we start that brokerage, we're growing out that team. Um, we're looking at about 25 agents here in Anchorage before we jump. And then we start in an office for our next brokerage um, down in Seattle area and start growing out from there. Gotcha. And is, are you choosing Seattle because of your previous time there or, or do you feel like it's just that strong of a market? I think that the Seattle market, you know, I've been watching that for a while. I'm definitely not an expert in it, so don't don't quote me on this. But, you know, I see a lot of uh, explosive growth going on in Seattle. Um, I'm, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but, you know, with Amazon, with everyone moving in um, and spreading out, prices are going through the roof. I think last last month I was there, you know, I, I mean, you no matter where you looked in the skyline, there was a new crane. I mean, <laughs> right. You know, and what that's screaming to me is that there's going to be a correction at some point in the future. And when there's a correction, well-poised people with the capital to actually do something is going to be able to go into that marketplace and, you know, make a killing pretty much. Right. And and the other thing is you're a realtor and you get paid commissions based off price points. Mm-hmm. And Seattle has a very high price point. So I do not blame you whatsoever for uh, deciding to go to that market um, compared to some other markets. Um, I, I might have to have a chat with you about also going out to Hawaii, just FYI. We might have to have a yeah. chat about that. So, okay. uh, but that being said, um, I always want to ask people what's their why and, uh, you know, what's their driving force behind being an entrepreneur? Um, you know, so why don't you share with everybody, you know, what, what is kind of your why and, and what, why do you invest everything back into your business? Why is it so important for you to build this team and this business? I just really have a heart for coaching, for education, and for seeing people, um, you know, reach their potential. And so I see so many people that, um, you know, just kind of settle for average life who could be doing so much more, who could be giving back. You know, um, at the end of the day, do I need to become a billionaire because I want the, 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 the money just sitting there? No, but how many people can I bless uh, because I do do that? How many people's lives can I change? How many people's lives can I affect? And that's really why I'm looking at do what I'm doing, um, because I see there needs to be a change in, in parts of the real estate industry, and I want to be that change and have a passion for people. That's awesome, man. For the people that are listening, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, so Facebook, just Matthew Lindsay or uh, Precision Home Group. You can just look us up Facebook there. You can send me a direct email at matthew at precisionhomegroup.com. 
And uh, if you're not following Matthew on Facebook, even if you you have no intentions of being in the Anchorage, Alaska, or Seattle, Washington markets, it's still worthwhile to watch. He drops solid content that is uh, useful content across the country, anything real estate-related, investment, and retail side of things. Uh, so follow him on Facebook. I highly recommend it. Matthew, I know you're a busy guy. Thank you for taking out the time uh, to sit down with us on this podcast and uh, highly look forward to closing our deal later this month. I look forward to that as well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.